Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Okay, Sir Clicks a Lot, you have up to 90 seconds to, at your pleasure, talk about the Masters. Oh, what do I even say? It was awesome today. It also sucked that, you know, we had to wait forever for the Masters. And then, of course, there's a rain delay for three hours. I woke up. I was like, yes, I can throw the Masters on, you know, have a coffee or check my emails, turn it on. The course was basically underwater. Just another 2020. But um, the first round was really, really good. Um, Tiger was bogey free, and I think he could be leading. Um, He actually looked really good, so... I think the course is only going to get harder, so that doesn't really bode well for him considering his putting was not great. Um, but there's a couple guys in the hunt, and watching uh, Bryson shank his drive on 18, on 10 or 11, and then shank one in, into the bush again, and then chub his chip. Oh, man. What a day. 2020 wasn't that bad. After I saw that, I was quite happy. Okay. Um Explain something to me before you get to the next point. Uh, as a, a golf fan, but a very casual one at that, I am super confused as to why everybody hates Bryson. Over the quarantine, he ate a ton, lifted a ton, and now hits the ball a ton, and suddenly he's like evil villain number one on the tour, and I don't get it, especially when Patrick Reed still exists. Yeah, he's not evil villain number one, but he's the talked-about villain right now. Um I'd say the golf purists don't like him because he, they think he's breaking the game by just trying to crush the ball a million miles, which I can understand. Um, but I don't like him because of just how he approaches the game and how he talks and his stupid hat. And uh, today when he shanked those two shots, it literally looked like he crapped his pants and didn't know how to find a washroom. Like it's just and the way, the way he just speaks about it just is annoying to me. So, that's why I don't like uh, Bryson DeChambeau, but I, I can definitely appreciate him crushing the ball like 360 plus yards. It is something to watch, but yeah, yeah just like, a piss not, missile down the fairway. Like I, I get that people are like, well, yeah, this isn't how golf was traditionally played, but hockey never used to be a puck possession game until the Russian five came along. And I mean, it's not like he's doing anything anybody else couldn't do like everybody can hit the gym everybody can try to sculpt their game to absolutely pound that thing and hit a nuke off every tee but i I don't know i find it weird it's like to me this is the same thing with like baseball people going oh man what dodgers aren't that good all they do is hit dingers yeah well they won the world series so it worked what do you what do you want (laughs) the best way to describe it is think of that guy who's really good or girl who's really good at said thing but they just come off as a wiener that's bryson okay he's really really good he can hit the ball a mile his putting is actually a way above tour average like he's one of the best putters on tour but he's just a wiener everything the way he says things the way he goes about things it, he's just a wiener so if so I'm Brad talking about prospects exactly so if i'm understanding understanding this correctly if bryson was actually phil everybody would be okay with it if he didn't take himself so seriously, every once in a while, people would like him a lot more and wear normal hats. 
Yeah, the hat. Mm. I I I, I appreciate being different, but make sure it works first. Well, um, all I that really for you, Evan, was um, I guess a gift from us, but for right, so the listeners, <laughs> for the listeners, it was a proof of life because uh, sometimes they they request one of those. So, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, overly familiar with golf because of how bad the Red Wings have been over the past five years. We still do talk about hockey. I'm Ryan Hanna. Um, in desperate need of some hockey and vicariously living through football currently, I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. This is Evan's like, uh, I don't know what to call it. Like he he's in heaven. With it's a bittersweet week. You know, the Masters is finally back, but the golf season for myself is is dwindling. I have maybe 11 holes tomorrow and that might be it. Yeah. So depending on what you think of the podcast, um, either condolences or congratulations, because you're going to get a lot more uh, engaged Evan. It usually ebbs and flows with the golf season. Yes, that is true. Uh, speaking of seasons changing on this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about the NHL's uh, different paths toward uh, returning to play once again for the uh, 20, what should have been the 2020, 2021 season, but will now just be the 2021 season, I suppose, um, how they're going to make that work, uh, everything from hubs or playing in home arenas to hybrids, as well as um, uh, looking at divisional realignment. And all that fun stuff. We're going to be doing a check-in on our favorite Red Wings over in Europe. Spoiler alert, they're still crushing it. Like they're a golf ball on a tee that Bryson, I can't remember his last name, is just crushing. See, I, I'm not, I don't follow golf well enough, but I do like uh, like golf memes. Like when people just say like fire a piss missile down the fairway. I don't know why that makes me laugh a lot. Just, I think I'm, I think I might be a, like a, a Bryson of golf. Like I have no respect for the purity of the game. Golf memes are are great, though. Yeah, I I would say I'm very biased to that, but there's something just about you know even the pros mess up, and that you can relate to that. So the oh, memes yeah. are great. <laughs> One of us. Yeah, uh, there was a few of those today. Buddy, yeah, you've been watching Jonathan Erickson for ten years, and only golf professionals make you realize that professionals can make mistakes. Oh, I was a perfect hockey player, Brad. I don't. I'm not familiar with any of the thing the goings on when. Uh, Red Wings made mistakes. Come on. The thing about ho- uh, golf, though, it's like you're out there by yourself. There's nowhere to hide. Jonathan Erickson could at least, you know, well, he was huge, so he couldn't really hide. But at least he could just skate to the bench and, and pull the trap door. But, yeah, when you chunk one out there and you're a tour pro, it's uh, it, it feels oh, good for yeah. us uh, regular folk. Oh, all right. Well... Return to play. Return to play again, I guess, uh, I suppose it is. So just a, a quick recap. The NHL's current plan for returning to the uh, ice is a January 1st start date. That is what they're saying officially, but when you have um, discussions among those in the know, they're uh, referring to it as um, their target date, but they're probably not going to hit that. But still, in and around the beginning of 2021 is when they're hoping to return to play. Um they wanted initially December 22nd, I believe it was, but you're that's a little bit pushed back now. And they're still looking at uh, some camp time and maybe even a mini tournament. Um, there's a lot of different factors at play here. Um, the foremost being where and how do they play? So this past postseason, obviously, we had the bubble, which all things considered was a pretty 
resounding success with the NHL. They were kind of like the model franchise or the model league in terms of how to run a successful bubble. Different circumstances between them and the uh, NFL and things like that, of course. Like they were running only playoffs and it was limited teams, but still, uh, they did a great job with it. But is that feasible for this upcoming regular season? Before getting into the specifics, just quick thoughts. Doable or are they going to have to try to get away from that into some kind of hybrid system? <sighs> a year-long, a prolonged bubble isn't feasible. It's just not, um, especially for the players who were in the playoffs. And you look at Tampa, Dallas, the Islanders, any of the teams that went deep, and these players spent close to two months in a bubble already. They have families. They have kids. Um, so that's not feasible. Um, could you do rotational bubbles where they go in and out every two weeks? Maybe that that's a little more plausible. Um, but then I don't see fundamentally how that works. Um, there are ways, I guess, if you ran two divisions at a time out of the four divisions and then they rotate on and off every two weeks. But if you're pausing every team for two weeks, that's going to create either a massive games played shortage or a really prolonged season, which if the NHL is hoping to get back to normal next season, um, like the season after, probably doesn't help that. And I think with the vaccine news that came out recently, the NHL is probably very optimistic that uh, the 21-22 season might resemble something close to normal. Still a long ways to go on that, but whatever, we'll take any positivity we can get. Um, the plan they kind of, uh, I don't want to say proposed, but like threw out there where teams would play a string of home games uh, where teams travel to them or they go you know, whatever, and they only play intradivision logistically is better. Um, even if it's not a bu bubble per se, but just kind of you, you're sticking to your, in Southern Ontario and minor hockey, they're calling it cohorts. So you stick to your cohort. Could work, but with where COVID numbers are at in the States, that's probably even less feasible because we'd get a ton of delays and COVID would sweep through teams in a hurry. Um, so I don't know. I wish I could sit here and say one, I, I prefer the bubble system or the non-bubble system, but honestly, I see huge flaws with both. So, and I'm not a smart enough person to be able to give uh, a super detailed answer about how I would handle a pandemic. But, you know, I, I think I, I lean towards rotational bubbles being, the best answer however the hell they make that work yeah after last playoffs i and seeing how different leagues who are handling regular seasons right now and what they're going through i've kind of landed on two things with a giant grain of salt here being that i'm not a, a rocket scientist and i'm not a public health expert um i did great in my health 101 course but that's about as far as that goes um <laughs> the the two things that the NHL, I think, will have to settle on, and it's good to see them come around on this, is one, um, they are going to need some semblance of sequestering teams or putting them in a temporary bubble. I don't think, like you said, Brad, a full bubble is feasible. Players won't go for it. Um, it worked last time, but you could tell by the end the players were absolutely burnt out by it. It's not really going to happen again, but some kind of... Um, protection and sequestering of those teams and it looks like the nhl is doing that with divisional realignment a lot of that has to do with borders being closed but still it's a good thing to protect how far teams are spreading to you know, stop the actual spread um 
two, uh, they're doing it by discussing short-term bubbles. So NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman um, in a conference or a panel was talking about um, the possibility of like mini bubbles. So teams travel in and out of the bubble. They go, they play 12, uh, they, they go in and play 12 games or, or 12 days, I think the quote was. You play a bunch of games, kind of bubble style, then you go home for a week or two, see your families, that kind of thing. Is it perfect? No, but with the uh, enhanced testing, you can probably get something close to good enough, if not good enough, to kind of get through the season without doing what the NFL is doing right now, which is playing some godforsaken game of, I don't know, I don't know how Mahjong is actually played, but it seems complicated. So that's what it seems like when that, with them trying to save their schedules. Um, they're always like one bad outbreak away from the season being absolutely destroyed. Uh, so, so that kind of mini bubble thing was the first caveat. And the second was just accepting that it's not going to be an 82 game season. This season has to be a shorter season to, like Brad alluded to, protect the season after. The season's not a write off. You can get games played. Who knows? Maybe there's going to be fans in the arena. I'm not really sure how that's going to work in any kind of safe way. It's being discussed. It hasn't been shot down yet. So I'll assume that might be happening. You can play, you know, 40, 60, maybe even 70 games, but trying to cram a full 82 game season in starting January 1st at best, it's just not feasible. Take the hit, accept the loss. Um, the players have already signed a prorated deal for this upcoming season. It is what it is. is what it is. Try to get back to 82 starting for Seattle's first year, which is 2021-2022. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think next season, you know, it would be fantastic to play a full season and, and get that to work. But that's just kind of not the reality of the world right now. Um, I don't think players really want to do it. I know hockey-related revenue will be way down, and but I think they just need to ride through the pain from this past end of, well, I guess half season and the next and just get ready for the next following year to be an 82-game season. Um, I'm sure, you know, owners are going to lose a lot of money. Players won't be fulfilled on their entire salary, but... I, it's got to be a partnership to just get through it and weather the storm and just get something out for this season. And I'm the big pessimist, um, but it sounds like they want to make it work at, at some capacity. Um, and if they can't get fans into the stadium or the arenas, then the money's going to be way, way, way down. But from listening to Gary Bettman, it sounds like they're willing to put any option on the table to make something work. And as much as we love to rip on the league, they they know that they're a gate driven league and they're going to lose a lot of money, but they're also not stupid. They know they have to make up money in other avenues, whatever that might be. Like this is the perfect season to roll out this uh, wicked retro reverse Jersey program because all 31 teams are getting one a good chunk of each fan base will probably buy these online or buy these at a local store. If stores around them are open, it, it's, it's free revenue. Like fans are going to have fun with it. They're not taking it too seriously. If it's Vegas free is, revenue. What's that? It's free revenue. Yeah, exactly. It's, and, and, <laughs> it's, and an it's internet fun. meme. I'm sorry. What's that? I don't know that one. Yeah. I don't know that one either. Um, <laughs> sorry. Ryan, we're older than you. You need to explain yeah. that to us, but, Either way, it's it's fun. It's free revenue. Um, and, you know, and the NHL is not taking it seriously, which is what the world needs right now, quite honestly. And I've always 
been astonished the NHL hasn't done stuff like this before. Like, you know, the NBA does new jerseys every year and nobody complains about it as long as you don't get rid of the primary jerseys for most teams. Like, it's fine. Like, I, the Red Wings jersey is sacred to me. Our home and aways are perfect. Don't ever change them. If you want to give us a new third jersey every season, make it purple, pink. I don't care. It's fun. It's a third jersey. It's not a regular. Have fun with it. If you want to go traditional, great. If you want to go silver, great. There's a million ways the NHL can make money outside of gate revenue this year, and we'd be crazy to think they're not going to try every one of them. Some of them will work. Some of them won't. But whatever. It's 2020, and it'll be 2021. Let's get weird. They're going to do a partnership with OnlyFans? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, in which direction? Like, are the NHL players going to go to... Or the only like the top two percent of OnlyFans going to come to? <laughs> Maybe Doesn't don't matter. Answer this. It's a yeah. partnership. I'm not the decision maker. I just throw the ideas out there. Can you imagine the crusty old guard at the NHL just holds back any kind of progression and growth of the league for decades upon decades, and it just all explodes and they go too far? And their first like new age partnership is freaking OnlyFans. Yeah, like, that would be surprising to say the least <laughs> you have like formula one partnering with monster energy and red bull has their own team you're like ooh, and then nhl is like hold my beer <laughs> um more on the jerseys in a second more related to money right now though another issue which uh depending on which side you ask is or isn't an issue is um, player salary so part of the cba extension that was signed last summer um had specific provisions regarding this upcoming season, which is that the players agreed to uh, take 72% of their gross pay for the upcoming season. So they would be taking a 28% hit on their gross pay to offset the lost salary from the end of last season and presumably whatever's going to come up to this season. Now, that's what was agreed upon as a base level. The players will tell you, well, the issue is settled. We agreed to a number. We're taking a 28% hit. It is what it is. That's us doing our part. The owners now are largely saying, if there's a loss of revenue, if there's a continued loss of revenue, if we cannot get fans in the stadiums or in the arenas and we can't make up for this money, um, we're going to want to prorate that even more. Like if we're playing 40 games or 30 games or 25 games or whatever it is, you're not making 72% of your salary. And what the players will argue is, well, we signed a piece of paper that said we are, so what's the deal here? Um, You're not really going to find a lot of uh, clarity on that up until we have more of an idea of when players are or when uh, NHL teams can take to the ice again. Because if this is going to be like a 60 to 70 game season, I don't see owners making too much of a fuss i think they'll ask for some they might even settle for a little bit more of a reduction if you're on the player side uh but if we get into not starting until march like what evan predicted last episode then you're going to see a big big argument the league's goal is to award the cup by i think it was july 15th and they have a, a few ideas on how to do that they want to Maybe plan for fewer games like 55, 56, and then leave a couple weeks at the end as provisional dates in case of uh, needing to replace um, canceled games. And if those don't get used, then you can move up the playoffs. Or they try for like, I think uh, 72 was the highest number that we've we've seen predicted. So a lot of this is just going to depend on progression of 
public uh, health and safety, what the standards are, where these NHL teams are playing. Um, you know, Robert Manfred of the MLB, <laughs> awful, um, and Gary Bettman both uh, mentioned that they're taking more of a Sure, we have to try and play as many games as possible, but we also have to be responsible and not stop the spread attitude. And that kind of tips, in my mind, their hand a little bit that they're not going to force this. Gary Bettman's not going to run something as successful as the bubble as he did in the playoffs and then just run a super spreader uh, season in the NHL. So a lot of this is up in the air and it's not all based on COVID. It's Some of it's going to be based on more salary negotiations after. I mean... I get where the owners are coming from on this one. And because when this was all done, everything's projection, right? This one might might be a little more cut and dry. Because if, if they sign a piece of paper saying, hey, this is what we're paying you. Sorry, you don't, you don't get out of that. If there was clauses in there, like we're going to pay you this much if X hits Y or Y meets Z. But it falls short of that, then we have the right to renegotiate. Sure, that's a whole nother thing. Without seeing that contract, I don't think we can really say definitively now if it's catastrophic and the nhl goes to the players look like we're literally going to go damn near bankrupt if we don't reduce some crap here then okay maybe the the players can look at it and go well yeah i think i'd rather lose some money this year than be unemployed next year fine um but yeah i don't i don't know if if you agreed to it you had some numbers to fall on when you agreed to it mm, I'm, i'm not a big fan of breaking contracts like that well, it wouldn't necessarily be breaking the CBA. It would just be the like another um, like emergent situation where the NHL can say or the owners can say to the the players like, "Look, we know you're already taking a prorated amount, um, but if we're playing half the games that we expected to, like we're playing less than seventy two percent of the season. What's what's seventy two percent of a season? Um, uh, 0.72 times so that's 59 games if they're playing fewer than 59 games by a good margin i can definitely see the owner saying hey uh we're still taking a big hit here and if all of those games are played without fans in the arena that is a massive massive loss of revenue so i, I don't think it's like net breaking contract necessarily but it definitely that will be the argument from the player side so i don't know i hate to be the arbiter at that table Seems like nobody's wrong. One of those nobody's wrong situations. Yeah. And I'm not a legal expert, so I don't have a strong opinion on it one way or another. Evan actually is. He's a lawyer. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to be that arbiter because that guy's making a ridiculous sum of money. And the longer that talk goes, which I think it will, that guy is buying another house down in the Caribbean. Um. Alternative forms of revenue, Brad, you started this conversation with the reverse retro jerseys. So um, internally, this was called the fourth jersey program, which I thought was funny because a lot of teams like Detroit, not a lot, uh, but teams like Detroit didn't even have a third jersey, but they're not calling this their third jersey. They're calling it their fourth or reverse retro, uh, which is why you saw Dallas rush out their black and lime green jersey. So they would have a third before their fourth was released. Um, but it's a, a program where the NHL is doing throwback jerseys with a spin or some kind of modern twist or something to that effect. Basically, some kind of callback jersey. Is it perfect? No. Are some of them going to suck? Yeah, for sure. I think I've seen mock-ups of some that are going to suck. Is it cool as hell and fun? And should the NHL definitely be doing this, especially if they're short on cash? Hell yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, they did a promo video and it was, it was like a bunch of, uh, uh, players walking like away from the shot so you only saw the backs of their jerseys and some of them had different numbers and stuff anyways what looked like the red wings version was um i, I want to think this was a template but what the red wings version was was a like white with red numbers was it and then a gray like gray shoulders but those shoulders were consistent across every jersey and we've seen leaks of some of the reverse retros and not all of them had those shoulders like those like patched shoulders. So I don't really think that that's necessarily going to be the design. No, it's definitely not going to be the design. That was just to let everybody know what the color scheme was going to be. What's with the gray slash silver though? Cause if they're going back to their Jersey from the thirties, which we've talked about on this podcast, which is um, pretty much the inverse of the, the away jerseys with the diamond patch, the A and the C there's no silver or gray in that. That's not what they're doing. Didn't you notice the number on the back of the jersey corresponded to the year they're honoring? 98, yeah, so they're that cup win. So it's a Red Wings jersey honoring a Stanley Cup because if you look at every other team the year they're honoring, it lines up with the color scheme they did. Like Carolina's was 1979 and theirs was green, white, and blue. So they're they're honoring the Whalers and so on and so forth. So I think this is going to be something completely unique. I think if that throwback from the 30s and 40s jersey we see, I think that might be a third jersey. Because I think I would not be surprised if there's a mandate from the league. Every team is doing a third and fourth jersey this year, so get your mock-ups. And the Red Wings, being the traditionalists they typically are, are probably like, okay, well, we'll, we'll throw together a, a pretty basic, cool, vintage jersey for our third. And then we'll do the reverse retro for our fourth. So I, I could still see that happening. I think the retro reverse for Detroit is going to be something completely unique. And I'm frankly super excited for it because... I hated them at first, but the more and more I looked at the Centennial jerseys with the silver, I, I really, they really grew on me. I really, really liked that jersey. So I'm, I mean, I was surprised when this got leaked that the Red Wings was going to have silver. Twitter hated it. Hated it. I mean, until I see the jerseys, I'm not going to say if I like the jersey or not, but like, honestly, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. It's not meant to be taken seriously. It's a, friggin jersey if this was a primary jersey yeah i could see there being an uproar over stuff like this but if we see these for like three games a year who cares let's have some fun it's 2020 we need every excuse to get excited that we can get if this jersey comes out and it's butt ugly so be it but until then i'm going to maintain some excitement that these are going to be sick as hell look i first of all rowan's going to kill you for saying jerseys aren't serious secondly um I had the same reaction with the Centennial jerseys when they came out. I just think they were like modeled poorly. Like it was, I think Abdulkader wearing it and it's a, it was a thin jersey, right? So you could see pads through it. And I was like, this is ugly as hell. But then over time I was like, oh yeah, this thing's actually really clean. Like I actually really like it. Um, not as much as the other two jerseys. And, you know, I'm looking at them right now. They're up on my wall. The two Red Wings winter classic jerseys in my mind are two of the nicest jerseys in sports history. And then you add in the Red Wings barber pole. I just think they have a lot. If they're doing actual throwbacks, they have a lot they can lean on here. So if they're going to do something completely unique for this, fine, like all for it. We saw it work for the Centennial jersey. Even their Stadium Series jersey, I, like, I don't think was particularly like objectively great, but I still think it was fun. Um, it was something different. But with your third jersey, then just do a throwback to one of these. They're so good. They have 
They have some of the best jerseys in sports history that they've used outside of their already phenomenal main home and away sets. Um, so I don't know. I, I can understand Twitter being a little scared of silver or gray. Uh, like 98, they had the, the believe patch. So a lot of people were like talking about that. Um, and, uh, this will sound disjointed because I tried turning my camera around to show everyone on YouTube, my jerseys, uh, and whilst doing so, I unplugged my ethernet cable, ruining the entire, uh, recording. So picking up where I left off, uh, will grow to love for sure. Whatever Jersey they, they come up with. I just am uh obsessed with the jerseys that i'm staring at which are their two winter classic jerseys and of course their barber pole as well um so if they're going to do a fun brand new one like brad said amazing and if they're going to do a, a third jersey on top of that i hope at least one of those is a callback because they're just so 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 clean and i guess maybe we should commit to a giveaway of whatever the reverse retro is because why not? Yeah, but we got to pick a fun player to give it away in. I'm I'm thinking Franz Nielsen. Yeah. Everyone who wins the uh, jersey giveaways, and this is a smart thing in my mind, they are not really, they're like holding on to them. They're like, can I just pick when I know when Cider makes the team and what number he's going to wear or when Raymond makes the team and what number he's going to wear? <laughs> like, I think this is going back like a year and a half now, like people waiting for, like one of our jersey winners just finally picked Zadina a little while ago and that was like almost a year later um (laughs) i get it like totally get it but at some point you guys are just gonna have to commit to something like watch where next year we're gonna say oh i'm gonna hold on to it because i want to see if detroit ends up drafting um uh what's his name brad the 20 the not the next first overall pick but the one after shane wright yeah they're like i want to see if we're gonna end up drafting shane wright they're gonna wait three more years uh other did you guys see any of the leaks of the other uh reverse retro jerseys um i saw vegas and they released teasers for the pacific division today so we've got an idea of what those are gonna look like but yeah it looks like calgary fans are all all excited they might be going back to blasty um in the black jersey arizona's like peyote purple we might get a purple robo yote, which I'm absolutely here for. Yeah. Like Anaheim looks like they might actually be going with the duck breaking through the ice. I hate the ducks. I might buy that jersey. <laughs> I saw. Yeah, they had like, it looks like a mo- mostly teal jersey with um, uh, eggplant piping, which like it's the inverse of what they used to have. So like good for them if they actually commit to that. Boston had their like Boston almost like Nashville mustard yellow jerseys with the old school B, which I think was sweet. Um, some of them like Vegas, like what are they supposed to do? Of course, but I just uh, I didn't like that red jersey at all. I thought that was pretty plain. Oh man, it's ridiculous! It's a throwback to the Las Vegas Thunder, I think. And I mean, they put the sh- their dope shoulder patch as the main logo. Love it! It's ridiculous. If it was their prime jersey, I'd hate it, but. It's meant to be silly, and it is. What did uh, Tony say on Twitter? He was like, the, the Vegas logo looks like the exit wound on Mark the Marc-Andre Fleury sword-stabbing picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, I oh, like, I th- someone else. I think Down Goes Brown had a good one, too. He's like, ah, oh, yeah. It, it was something about the swords on the front, and then with the, you know, it's like 
it completed this backstabbing. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, the good news is it looks like uh, the knight or not the, not the knights, the kings are going back to their gold and purple. And whichever one they pick, amazing, because both those the versions of those uh, jerseys were amazing. Um, yeah, they have so many options. Anaheim's does look cool. Edmonton's, I don't know. Edmonton's will just kind of be whatever version of whatever they have. Um, yeah, it looks, I can't actually tell with LA. Does it look like solid purple with gold accents? Anyways. We'll find the it. Pi- the peyote purple. I love like the lizard shoulder patch for Arizona. Those are cool. It's just I'm ready for all of these. I'm gonna just hate some of them, but I'm this. I'm ready for it. The NHL looks like I know it's different eras, but for the most part, it looks like the NHL is going full '90s bullshit, and this is my dream. Yeah, keep like serious third jerseys. Give the teams to go op- the option to go back to their classic jerseys, or even in the case of like Calgary and Arizona, make that your primaries again if they're obviously better better jerseys. But for these like fourth jerseys, like like you said, Brad, the style of like, the NBA, how they have their um, their city version of jerseys, where they'll come in for a year and you won't see them again for like five years. Do crazy bullshit like this. Just random, like the worst versions of these jerseys, like memorable stuff. Get wacky with it. Get creative. Um, have some fun. I would love to see teams do something completely new, like maybe even switch up the logo. Like I thought when Colorado started using their uh, like state of Colorado logo as opposed to the still very good Avalanche A, like that was awesome. They made some great jerseys with that logo. Um, teams should be doing more of that, so. Is uh, I think the Rangers are probably going to be Lady Liberty. There's so many good ones. I was a little bit sad, even though it didn't make sense at all. I was a little bit sad we didn't see Seattle teased in this. <laughs> yeah, a retro reverse jersey for a season they they do not partake in. Just I would absolutely lean in. They would. That, I guarantee you that'd be one of the best selling jerseys. Of course, they uh, need to friggin' get like their actual jerseys out in stores though, because obviously I work for a company that sells stuff like that. We've got the new Vegas jerseys in, we've got the new Dallas jerseys in, we've got the new Ottawa jerseys in, but we still don't have Seattle. We have all their merch. No Jersey though. Um, Looking at the rest here, there's, I'm hoping these start to roll out soon. It looks like they're going to be doing it division by division, but regardless um, something fun to look forward to and something that'll pass the time mainly okay uh red wings overseas man zadina in the czech league almost seems unfair right yeah i love that he's the one updating his stats for us as well it's my favorite thing that's happened on the internet this week and it's not particularly close um yeah like he's got what four goals and an assist in five games and it's it's a one will argue well yeah it's one of the lower professional league top professional leagues in europe of course, he should be doing that well, but yeah, his quality of help is also severely diminished, and he's still putting up four goals in five games. It's it's fantastic, and Heronik's lighting up the same league. It's exactly yeah. what you want to see. Honestly, like a tune-up isn't bad. Just getting those guys, it just matters most that they're on the ice and not completely rusting out between games. Um, if Zadina's out there building confidence and ripping them home... Uh, Honestly, I'm all for it. It could be way worse. Yeah, I'm sure he could be playing in the SHL, but if it's just more important right now to make sure that the guy's on the ice and, and playing confidently, that'll do just as much. We know he can score. He was 
scoring at a 20 goal clip when he was in the NHL. Um, that little chip or the, the fracture in his ankle or whatever it was, the sprain, um, that he went from when he blocked the shot, ended his season early back in the beginning of 2020s, which was like 10 years ago. Um, but before that, he was playing at a, a really good clip. So I'm fully confident that Zadina can come back and play at a 20 goal pace this next season as well. So if all that, all he needs is to kind of just stay on the ice and rip him home past some <laughs> almost beer league level goalies. They're better than that. Um, hell yeah. And then Heronic, same thing. The guy's an NHLer. We know he's an NHLer. He's, he's the Red Wings best defenseman. Just stay on the ice, keep the rust off. Um, in the SHL though, it looks like week after week we're going to be talking about this, but it's still really, really is looking good. And I'm hoping it can continue to because the J20 league has actually uh, paused because of COVID. All the way to January, if I'm not mistaken. So, well, at least Niederbach will be up with Ferlunda getting his three minutes a game there. Yeah, expect that to maybe filter up depending on how things go over in Sweden. Um, fingers crossed it can get a little better there so that they don't have to shut it down. But still, uh, I mean, if they're willing to do it the J20 League, that will eventually um, if it continues to grow, filter upwards. So, uh, But in the meantime, Raymond had a great week. Um, dominant today on the power play, especially watching him play below the net actually was super impressive today. Um, we always talk about him, you know, potentially working on the half wall, the left half wall for the Red Wings when he eventually makes Detroit's power play. Um, but he, he made his place from below the net and really showcased himself as a playmaker nothing like out of this world, but still showed how he controlled, uh, the power play and saw the ice and, and dished the puck out for a couple of goals. Yeah. I mean, we've seen him be a primary goal scorer so far this season, which was fun considering he was advertised as a playmaker. Now he's showing the playmaker side again. It's, I mean, there's, he's on a four game point streak now in the SHL. There's literally nothing else we could have asked. We could ask of Lucas Raymond right now for what he's doing at the top Swedish level. And he's doing it, uh, as, as, as that one toe drag showed in spectacular fashion in some instances, he's not, um, just, you know, getting lucky and having a couple bouncing off his ass in front of the net. No, he is undressing professional men's hockey players and creating chances left, right, and center. And Albert Johansson's doing the same thing. Uh, Mo Sider's not doing it that way, but he's doing it efficiently in very Mo Sider fashion. Uh, Matthias Brome, not to be left behind, having you know, a hell of a season in the SHL as well. Berggren's continuing his hot pace. I think he had one goal last game, no assists. Like this is Red Wings development camp is going swimmingly. It's incredible. Are there any disappointments over there? I'd say Joe Valeno isn't putting up the counting stats we would hope for, but he's on a, a terrible SHL team. So that's surely not doing him any favors. I haven't seen a Malmo game, so I couldn't tell you a damn thing about how he's looked, but mm, the stats aren't there, which is, Eh, not great, but he he. It took him over a half season, um, to pick it up in the AHL as well. He seems to be that guy who takes a while to get it, but when he gets it, he really gets it. So it's a new league, it's a better league, it's a new system, bigger ice. I mean, we there's been clips that people have posted online of Joe Valeno doing some pretty friggin' incredible things. Um, so it's there. I mean, but other than that, yeah, like Heronic, Zadina, Bergeron, Cider. Raymond, um, it's just about best uh, Berger and best case scenario across the board for 
Yeah, almost across the board, I should say. It's hardly our first time talking about Albert Johansson, but wow, every time he does something, I'm like, oh, this guy is actually that kind of player where he can pull this off consistently. Like, we're watching him make end-to-end rushes and not just off pure speed and not just off of, you know, puck skills, but a combination of the two. And then he has like a good finishing move or dishes the puck in a way uh, that creates a high danger scoring chance. Like this guy can genuinely move the puck down the ice at will. And if he gets more comfortable playing defense over time, which any young defenseman, you have to assume that they're going to get better at the defensive part of the game as they get more experience. This guy could be the real deal. Like we're talking about a confident top four defenseman here on the left side if he continues to show this way. And he's not just showing this way in the J20 league. He's not dominating the J20 like Niederbach was. Like this is the SHL. And I don't want to say he was off the radar when he was drafted, but he for a lot of people, he came as a bit of a surprise. But every step of the way from the moment he's been drafted onwards, he has shown his worth and more like... It's super exciting. We were talking about, you know, Hironic and Sider, who's going to be on the left side. Is it, is McIsaac the best case? No, like Albert Johansson is really, really projecting to, to be something for Detroit in a couple of years. Yeah. It's like you look at his counting stats last year in the SHL. He had 13 points in 42 games, which immediately doesn't pop to you, but. People are saying that is a really, really, he had a really strong U20 season for a defenseman last year in the SHL, and that was only with 13 points in 42 games. He's already got six points in 15 games this year, so he's just a hair under a half point per game. Oh, by the way, he's only 19. This is still a U20 season for him. It's, It's remarkable. And last game, he was held off the score sheet, which is a little disheartening. At first glance, until you look at the highlights from that game where he pulled the move of the goddamn day, turned a defender inside out, and then made a cross crease pass at the last second that should have been a goal, if we're being honest. I don't know how that guy on that side didn't finish it. He had a defender on him, but still, it was ridiculous. It was, uh, who do you even compare that toe drag to, the wingspan on it? Just as soon as the defender turned his hips and opened up sideways, Johansson had him and didn't second guess. It's just like, yep. I think I, I think I referred to it on uh, Twitter as as the defender's and I oop moment. And, uh, and yeah. I, oh. yeah. <laughs> Oops. And Johansson just just exposed him. It was it was beautiful. I'm not saying Johansson's going to come into Detroit and you know, be a 40 point player and, and, you know, be a number two, number three defenseman who, who quarterbacks a second power play unit. But I'm also not saying he won't do that. <laughs> uh, like, it's not funny. It's a far, far from a guarantee, but the more I watch him. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he might. There's a funny Reddit thread, or I think it was a comment today. I try to remember the user. I think Matt Minderbinder was like, uh, yeah. He said something about, like, I don't think the comparisons to Eric Carlson are reasonable. Like, why put his ceiling so low? (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's exactly – like, you look at the Johansson and you look at the Bergeron. And Bergeron, like, again, showed some great puck skills today. He showed some good speed down the ice. Like, the guy is not just having a hot streak. Like, he's genuinely dominating in the SHL. Those are the kinds of players that are going to move this rebuild along. It's not just about the Zadinas and the Siders and the Raymonds. 
those picks need to hit and they need to hit in a big way, of course, but it's not just about that. You need other players to rise through the ranks and you need those second and third round picks and even beyond if you're lucky to come up and and produce and not just a, you know, this guy can sometimes step in on the third line, but more or less he floats up and down between the NHL and AHL level. Like we don't need fan favorites. We need guys who produce in Detroit and that is looking to be what we might have in Johansson and Berggren. And it's not exactly a surprise for Berggren considering his draft stock, but it is considering all the injuries that he's been through. And it might have been surprising for Johansson at the time, but then you see the, you know, how uh, Hokan Anderson and everyone talked about him. Then you're like, oh, maybe they found something here. That's the kind of stuff that really adds a substance and the foundation to the, to the rebuild and moves it along. Um, you want to talk about not sucking for too long. When you have an injection of young talent like Bergeron and Johansson eventually in the roster, that goes a long, long way. Uh, Dom's article that we talked about last episode, the Red Wings moved from 31st to 16th in terms of contract value efficiency. Where did that come largely largely from? That came from getting rid of bad contracts and bad players. It's harsh, but getting rid of Abdelkader, getting rid of Erickson, getting rid of Daly, getting rid of Howard with how he played the last couple seasons, that made the Red Wings better by uh, – it was addition by subtraction. How do you move from the middle of the pack of 16th to 1st? You need good players. Now you have to fill the void with good, good players and sign them to good deals, of course, but that's what we have Steve Eisman for. Uh, speaking of Eisman, did you guys see Arjun's video, the clip he made of me? From last episode, <laughs> did see it. I didn't hear it though. What was the the voice? I, I don't. Was I, actually, can't, I can't find where my phone is right now. But he he dubbed over. Um, I said something last episode. I was like, yeah, when Eisman was signed, there was definitely some like fanboying going on, and then it was him on my Twitter profile where my t- pinned tweet is that stupid ass celebration meme of when Eisman returns to Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's, it's in every one of my group chats. Um, he is now well revered for making fun of me relentlessly. So thank you, Arjun. Um, anything else regarding Red Wings or abroad or anything else in the world of hockey that we wanted to tackle here? And just a note uh, for you, Brad, that the fans of the podcast actually cannot see you shake your head. I was thinking. Oh. Well, they can definitely see you think because you make a face while you do it. Yeah, it actually- hurts. <laughs> uh, like, you know how think- like you see a couple of gears where there's just so much rust building? Like it's moving, but you know it it's struggling. Yeah. That's me. That's just yeah. my default setting. Um, Someone requested a uh, uh, wings and pizza t-shirt. We you have the technology. I, I don't think they meant pizza. I don't think they meant pizza either. Uh, all right. If we have nothing else here, assuming that um, there's the moment we stop recording is when there's news for return to play and some reverse retros get um, released and the Red Wings announce everything else, uh, we are going to move into overtime. Uh, overtime on this midweek episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is brought to you by uh, our Patreon supporters. We're going to start with Alex Zucco. He says, hey, guys, it's been a good long while since I've asked a question. Had a lot of tree buckets to repair, but the cold weather returning uh, has re- motivated me to get back on the horse. Question is expired or expired, inspired by Max's recent piece projecting the lineup three years from now. His rules are strict, can only use current guys in the system, plus one draft pick from the 2021 draft, but no trades, free agent signings, etc., etc. 
I'd love to hear you guys do the same thing, but I'll make it easier. Let's shorten it up to two years from now, which is the 2021-2022 season with current system players, a 2021 draft pick plus one free agent signing or player. What pick are we allowed to have from the 2021 draft? I would assume you get to pick. So let's say you were picking fourth and project someone who you think we'd be able to get there off the top of my head carson lambos you know just off the top of my head yeah you know because not that's not who max used or anything right is that who max used i actually haven't had a chance to use it he used used carson lambos um so we're going two years out i'll say the top line doesn't change yeah i'll say the second line will be uh not that it would be the ideal fit but because there's no better alternative valeno between zadina and lucas raymond i think that there's a chance that mantha flips onto that line with uh, instead of zadina and they rotate just to balance it out a bit i will say god third line will be michael rasmussen robbie fabry and I'll be optimistic and save Genny Svechnikov. And then the fourth line will be a veteran plug, another veteran plug, and Giovanni Smith. Why not? Off the top of my head, without being super optimistic about promoting rushing Bergren or rushing uh, Master Simone, which both of those guys I could absolutely see maybe pushing for a job at that point, maybe even Soderblom. Um, I'm trying to think of Grand Rapids, if there'd be anybody else there, maybe Brome, maybe Hiroshi, but eh, whatever. I think you'll probably see Brome in place of one of the plugs. And I, I would also he, think, you that know what? Brome honestly pushing. could be veteran plug. Yeah. Taro Hiroshi could be veteran plug. Yeah. I see Hiroshi as the flip up and down guy. I don't know. I think Bergeron could be pushing by then. I, I I would expect him to be pushing by then. I'm just erring on the side of caution here because I would much rather that third line be Bergeron, Rasmussen, and uh, Fabry instead of um, Svechnikov. And then Svechnikov could play on the fourth line with Giovanni Smith and... Like it seems like it'd be weird to have that young of a line as your fourth line, but Smith and Svechnikov won't be that young in two years. They'll be twenty four and like twenty five respectively, or something like that. So perfectly reasonable. Um, again, there will be free agent signings. There will be the Bobby Ryan's, the Sam Gagne's, the Vlad Nemestikovs of the world, because this is what Steve Eiserman does. And not every prospect that we want to pan out will pan out. I think that top six is pretty safe, though. Um, with the MLB line and then uh, some variation of Valeno, Zadina, and Lucas Raymond. Unless Michael Rasmussen blows us away and takes Valeno's second line center spot. Just the reality is the Red Wings don't have another center coming up through the system. And if I'm not allowed to sign a free agent, it's Valeno. Uh, defense, I think, is actually a little easier to project at that point because I think we'll have... Uh, Heronic Insider pretty safely as our, our top pairing, uh, top two pairing right sides. I think we could probably, 
uh, pencil in Dennis Chalosky on the left side. Uh, from the optimistic standpoint, I'll say Gustav Lindstrom, if we don't lose him to the expansion draft, is the third guy. Could absolutely see a reality where um, Troy Stetcher is re-signed. And then by that point, I will have guessed that Albert Johansson has is pushing for a spot and then some veteran plug there. I'll say they re-signed John Merrill. How are we supposed to know the next question? I'm back. Um, okay. Moose says, why haven't you guys talked about Steve's best offseason move, getting Taylor Hall to only take a one-year deal so he can sign him next summer after the 2021 draft and have him under contract to win the Shane Wright draft? <laughs> I was going to say, the Red Wings should not be in the market for Taylor Hall next offseason, given how close to 30 he'll be. But I like your train of thought there for guaranteeing first overall. That would be worth whatever Taylor Hall demands. Adam says, to go along with the throwback retros, the league is going with the original Chuck Norris, Adams, Patrick, and Smythe divisions. Foil it up, buds. Uh, Zach Tretnick says, as the rosters sit, regardless of cap space, what are your way-too-early Stanley Cup final matchups for next season? Ooh. Bo- boring answer. Tampa, Vegas. I mean, Vegas is going to get real bad in a few years with those contracts, but Petrangelo is still elite. Uh, Pacioretty's still real good. Marcia's so still real good. Mark Stone's still real good. Like they're a good team, uh, with a top end goalie. One would argue maybe two. I wouldn't, but some would. Cap circumstances be damned. Long term outlook be damned. Vegas looks real good this year. Um, Tampa, un- they are the favorites until further notice. So that's going to be my boring ass prediction. Um, I will say just to switch it up, Philly, Colorado. I'm going to keep my prediction from before this previous Stanley Cup playoffs. Duh, Ryan, you took mine. Um, I don't like anybody else. Those are the ones. <laughs> I'm not going to stoop and just make a stupid guess. I I refuse. Uh, Ryan Hannah Brand Wings and Pizza. Says, I hate my company, release the PS5, and boom, technical difficulties and sold out. Like screw places trying to do online releases, I'd rather run junk first into barbed wire and then rather than get my hopes up again. It's been a bad day. Thankfully, thankfully I have more edibles in my house than a human should, and I have a four-gallon container of CBD gummy bears. Oh my God, that's amazing. Uh, See you next I- week. Yeah, I think I'm going to be high for the rest of 2020. Expect more really awful comments from me. What other drugs should I take to numb 2020? I don't think we should recommend more. You have a four-gallon <laughs> container. Yeah, volume isn't the issue here. <laughs> uh, real question, uh, who do you think would win between LaRocque and Mike Tyson? Uh, Mike Tyson. Didn't Mike we talk Tyson. about that at the end of the last yeah. episode? Yeah. Mike yeah. Tyson, yeah. quickly. Cnod says, a look into the negotiations with Stevie by Capstrap Teams. Stevie's phone rings. Yeah. Uh, another GM. I was hoping you can come down on your price. And then Stevie hangs up on the phone. Uh, I think I just want a Tony. What do you think is more impressive to make the NHL from seventh round or undrafted? I feel like a lot more people who are undrafted make the league compared to seventh rounders. Anyways, thanks for the pod. It's basically the same thing at that point. I'll actually give the advantage to the seventh rounder. Because if you're undrafted and then you have the right to sign... Um, 
with a team after a couple of years. So you can cherry pick a little bit where you have the best chance to make it. Whereas a seventh rounder who's drafted to hypothetically Tampa knows he's got his work cut out of him and he had no say over that. Josh Terrell says, could you guys compare and contrast a Bergeron who pans out to the Red Wings, who pans out to Red Wings era to Tar? Like, how would they compare? Completely different players. Tatar was a, a shoot first player. Bergeron's a pass first player. I, I'd compare Bergeron more to Nyquist if we're going to go relatively modern Red Wings in the sense that they were very pass heavy, uh, undersized, and played the perimeter primarily. Not that neither of them would go to the net, but I think that's a pretty good comparison. If not. Uh- you're going to love this next one from Adam Kausert. He says, hey, guys, a couple of quick, quick questions. Uh, quick answers only. One, what is your favorite band? Two, who is an underrated Red Wing? And three, should we offer Sheep Barzell? Hopefully, I got those weekly questions out of the way early enough for you guys. <laughs> uh, Josh Yelton says, first off, thank you, Ryan. Doritos Dynamos is are better than Takis, and it's not even close. Okay. I love those roll. You know what Takis are like those rolled. No. Uh, it's like I, I'm Ryan. We're corn old. Chips. You need to explain it to us. I think I don't. <laughs> it's like those rolled corn chips, but they're uh, like uh, tortilla chips. Like they take them and then they roll them and then they fry them. So they're really those crunchy. Are, those are bugles. No, not bugles. You meathead. It's Bugle- like a tortilla chip rolled. It's the same goddamn thing. You just that's Aren't, exactly what you just described. Bugles are the little cone ones that you put on your yes. fingers. No, it's not the same. Uh, just look up Takis. No. Anyhow, Takis are like the original and Doritos did like a their version of it. And I genuinely believe the Doritos version to be better because I'm sick and I hail corporate. Anyhow. Okay. I would try those. I would try that for sure. That sounds good. Anything Doritos, I'm usually pro. They're incredibly like they're they're hot lime, like they're spicy. Chili oh, I think lime. I've seen those. I'll have to give those a try. Yeah, I love them. Uh what is your all-time favorite snack? Mine is a toss-up between Gardettos and Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Thanks, boys, and cheers. Oh, man, that's tough. I, I Mine might be the Doritos Dynamos. Like, they're so, so good. I love you, Flaming Hot with lime. Do you consider, like, chocolate bars and stuff like that, like, snack? Yeah, snack. yeah. 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 Uh, Reese peanut butter cups for me, then. Hmm. I uh, Any chip. I'm a crunch person. Um, yeah, I'm a sucker. Chips don't last in our house at all. Ours either. And it's, it's starting to gain on me in bad places. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mel is really good at like when she decides that she doesn't want to have too much of something, she'll just leave it. But the problem is she'll leave it for days and I'll be like, look, Mel, I saved you a quarter of this bag of chips for a reason. You have 24 hours to eat it. And if you don't, it's fair game. I'm giving you a warning. <laughs> I don't even like chocolate, but it gets left around our house and I'm like, oh, I'll just have a piece. Yeah. I'll have another one. Two days later, ah, I'll just eat the whole thing. Yeah. The same same thing happens around our house, except it's not with Crystal. It's with the kids. And I, I at least I can just call it the dad tax. Dad tax. Yeah. Dad tax. Dad tax. I thing. get the last 25% of everything. That's yeah. the dad tax. Uh, the Caminator says, I'm sure that reactions to the reverse retro uh, tees have been shared. But how would you feel if the jersey featured the centralized tire, tire logo, having the tire directly centered below the neckline like they had back in uh, 32? I'm all for it, especially as an alternate look. Thanks for the pod. I'm not. I don't know what this is referencing off the top of my head. 
like the logo is, you know how the current Red Wings logo is centered, like the middle of the logo is down yep. the middle of the jersey. Yeah. They take the logo and they make the middle of the wheel the middle of the jersey. So, so the wing kind of sticks out to the side. The whole logo is off centered? Yeah. I'd hate it. I mean, I wouldn't like love it. It wouldn't be out of this world, but I think it'd be a cool throwback. It wouldn't be terribly impressive. I would, ap- I would appreciate the history of it, but aesthetically, that wouldn't be my jam. Uh, La Plata Peaks says, not long ago, I desperately wanted the Coyotes organization to fail. Now that I live in Arizona, I would like to see them succeed. One, so I can see the wings at least once a year. And two, Arizona has no natural rival and Vegas could be that team if the Coyotes could ever get their shit together uh, with themselves in the city of Phoenix or another town in the East Valley where the money is. I know you three don't have any skin in the game like I do, but would like to get your thoughts on whether you think the Coyotes will survive the desert or if Houston or Quebec City will likely have the franchise within the next few years. I tend to believe the latter because, frankly, the Arizona Coyotes is the only franchise that can rival the Detroit Lions from an incompetency standpoint. Um, I don't have faith that Arizona is going to make it there. Uh, whether or not it's a, in a few years, I, I think they'll get beyond that. Um, it's they their existence has been a headache for over two decades now, and they've not really had many moments of smooth sailing, if any at all. Um. The the natural rivalry with Vegas probably won't happen because with how incompetent they've been, they're not going to be good for a long time. And if you look at uh, Vegas's cat friendly page, Vegas is probably five years away from being a dumpster fire themselves. So when Arizona, well, the, the best case scenario for Arizona to turn it around is probably about the timeline Vegas is going to start going the other way. So... Yeah, that, that was a rivalry the NHL is banking on that does not look like is going to come to fruition anytime soon. It's a lot of like, I don't want to say bad timing because like what Brad just said, like they've kind of been shit forever, like just terribly run forever. But all this stuff about the the Mitch Miller thing and then Shaka leaving and then um, just not really like the, the team has had no direction for a little while now. And then on the heels of this like economic collapse in the league really teetering on the edge of like financial despair here, they can't afford to have the Arizona Coyotes be floundering like this at all. They couldn't afford that really while the league was in the Arizonas are what were stopping the NHL from being anything better than at best the fourth biggest uh, major sports league in North America. I would love to see hockey succeed in the desert. I think and if you're not going to move them back to Phoenix, though, it's going to be a money move to Houston or Quebec City. It's just the reality of it. And especially if the Canadian dollar gets stronger, you're probably more likely to see Quebec there. Um, Garrett TV says, Hockey Amigos. If you haven't already, you should listen to the full 60 uh, with Bobby Ryan. Came out today, but very insightful. Basically said that Eisman sold him an opportunity to play in the top six and that he's very open to moving Ryan at the deadline if Ryan would like to move. Um, actually, I still had that on my um, watch list or listen list, and I haven't had a chance to yet. With that in mind, where do you see Ryan slotting the lineup and how long is his leash? And what's an ideal return scenario for him at the trade deadline? assume here that a first is exceptionally unlikely also ryan hannah uh mulled wine is freaking delicious but it makes me sick to hear you speak of all this christmas decorating so early man we already have three trees up in our house oh my no. god yeah there's a red wings tree coming up in the studio soon all right so i think bobby ryan's gonna either be the second line or third line right winger 
the problem is I want him as the third line right winger because the two that should be above him are Mantha and Zadina. And I do not want to knock those guys down in the lineup. Um, so I, I think Bobby Ryan could be very successful this year in that uh, Jeff Blashill, Thomas Vanek role, like super sheltered minutes against weak matchups, offensive zone starts, second power play unit, maybe even first power play, depending how they want to spread out the talent. I think that is how Bobby Ryan could best be used if if the Red Wings want to move Fabry to center and they want to move Zadina to the left side, then I could see a Zadina, Fabry, Bobby Ryan second line. I don't love that idea. Um, I think Zadina's development's more important than the return we're going to get for Bobby Ryan at the deadline. And even if things go really well for Bobby Ryan, I think a second round pick would be very optimistic. So, you know, if, if, would I rather have 82 games of Zadina in the top six or a third round pick? I'd rather have 82 games of Zadina in the top six, six personally, but, you know, I, I could absolutely hear the argument for the other side on this one. Okay. Cody Stark says, first night of beer league last night, and I got scored on low blocker by a current Cleveland Monsters forward. <laughs> Screw COVID. <laughs> <laughs> the trickle down effect. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. Not sure if you guys noticed online, but uh, Lefebvre goalie pads are now going to be branded by True, and Bernier will be their first goalie in the NHL wearing them, and they are sick. Keep up the great content, boys. I just caught those. Yeah, they are sweet. That's I, – I know to most people hearing that, that's nothing, but like in the goalie world, that's massive news that uh, Lefebvre's going to be back in the NHL because Bernier wore Lefebvre pads last year, but Lefebvre didn't have um, – the branding rights in the NHL. So they couldn't, they had to be unlogoed and obviously true did. So, um, if these are true Lefave pads and true doesn't touch them at all, these are going to be hugely popular and you'll start to see more of them. If true tries to put their input on them, it won't because I can't speak to true and goalie, but true player protective equipment is awful. So <laughs> people are yeah. a little nervous at the moment. Uh, Rob Byram says, evening, gents. I'm counting down the days until we can see the wings on the ice again. Until then, I've been thinking a lot about the future of the team. I know speculation of UFAs and RFAs is tough in the NHL, but do you see any guys Stevie may want to go uh, go to after or prior to the 22-23 or 23-24 seasons? Cough, cough. Looking at you, Brad, although Ryan and Evan may have some opinions too. Are we talking about free agents? Free agents or restricted free agents? Uh, two years out. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing there because most of the big names will be re-signed by then. Uh, Taylor Hall for the draft lottery luck. Alex Ovechkin. Hell yeah. For the memes. Uh, Zidane Ochar because he'll probably still be kicking around. Uh, Arjun Shanker, uh, important one here, says, hey guys. Hey, Arjun. <laughs> What's up? Uh, Chris B says, uh, fuck, Bry- fuck Bryson. That's all. I didn't censor that one just for you, Evan. I appreciate it. I'm all about that today. Uh, Mike Franklin says, I'm having a kitten under two weeks. Help? A kitten or a kid? Kid. Oh. Uh, sleep as much as you can now. Uh, start. I know it doesn't work this way, Just but start banking some hours. Yeah. And, and remember, uh, when, when baby is born, enjoy it. Take in every memory. You'll never get that memory back. It's only once. And then sleep when the baby sleeps. 
if it's three in the afternoon, if it's eight in the morning, if it's 5 p.m. and that's when you have to go down for a nap, you do it. Don't uh, second guess me. You do it. Also, congratulations and hope everything goes well. Um, please send us pictures. Uh, Callan Setskowski says, I'm an idiot and I don't know where to find highlights of our young guys playing in Europe. Any suggestions? Twitter's your friend here. Yeah. Um, it's been my lifesaver. If you go to the podcast, the Winged Real Pod account on Twitter, we retweet a lot of of those clips. There's a few people who are doing it pretty reliably for the SHL and beyond. Um, I know that uh, here's your replay guy. Sometimes he he clips stuff and sometimes he doesn't, um, but also a really good resource. But yeah, Twitter's your friend. Uh, Michael Thompson says, I was one of those who lost what was thought to be a career job during COVID. And as soon as it became a patron, I was finally offered another job. Coincidence? Most likely. Well, happy that you found another job. And I will attest to the cosmic virtues that come from being a Red or um, Winged Wheel podcast patron. Uh, can we take a moment to appreciate our boy Zadina taking to Twitter to update us himself? Would love to see more of this. It's so funny, man. I loved it. I'm here uh, for it fully. Anyways, last night in Beer League, our Zamboni broke down and started to overheat and smoke. It was everywhere, and it almost became a meme. Eventually, we pushed its smoking carcass and played on. Uh, any fun rink breakdown slash disasters from your time as a cop and former defenseman? Take care, <laughs> fellas, and remember back-checking is for chumps. Oh, I have a good one for this. So um, keep in mind, I played my minor hockey primarily in the 90s. Um there was this arena in Cambridge called Macintosh Arena. Now, this barn was old and outdated. The lights in the arena like were orange. Like it, I can't even describe it. It was orange. They didn't have a proper Zamboni. They had a literal tractor that had the atta- the Zamboni attachment on the back of it. And the dressing rooms were so small, we would struggle to fit like novice and peewee teams into them. Like legitimately multiple players sharing like trash bin in the middle of the room. Small. Um, last guy in had to actually stand. Before one. So not before our game, but before the game, before our game. So obviously when we got to the arena, we we witnessed this. The attachment came off the back of the tractor at center ice. So we literally had to watch the rink attendants and Bill or whoever the hell he was standing out there in overalls trying to get this thing back on the Zamboni on the ice because they didn't have the strength or any means to push it or drag it off the ice without reattaching it to the tractor. It was awful and delayed our game by like, I think almost an hour. Um, next comment here is from, oh, one time a Zamboni spilled, like they just came out and dumped way more, like it just dumped more water and snow and crap all over the ice and they didn't notice for a long time. (laughs) It pretty much ruined the next period of hockey was brutal. Um, RC Tendi says, it feels like it's been a minute since I commented, but just wanted to ask, when do you think they would hand Lark in the sea training camp or preseason? I'm just impatient about that. Also enjoy some wings and pizza. Um, I know Eiserman said before the season, but I, I want an opening game ceremonial face-off reveal or something like that. Like, um, if you want to see a good ceremony, look what the Canucks did with Bo Horvat, where they brought the Sedins out and like people knew who it was going to be, but it hadn't been made publicly. And then when they announced Bo Horvat's name over the PA, it was, it was awesome. I want something like that. Like, could you imagine 
And here is, you know, so-and-so celebrity to drop the ceremonial puck drop uh, for the season opener. Can we get the captains from each team? You know, Alex Ovechkin and Dylan Larkin. And then he comes out from the shadows on the bench with the C on his jersey. I would kill for that. Um, Steve Langerman says, Ahoy, gents. Thanks for the pod as always. A couple quick questions for me this week. One, Ryan, wings and pizza. Hashtag never forget. No further questions. <laughs> Two, for Brad, which previously drafted player by the wings would you say felt like uh, it did this year when Raymond was drafted? To be clear, not who is in similar, who's similar in terms of playing style, just how it felt to the organization slash fans to draft a player like that. Uh, I want to go way back for this, but honestly, it was Zadina because we didn't think there was a reality where we got him at six. We we said it could happen, but it's like a fraction of a percent. And then it happened. So in terms of hype, it was Zadina. That being said, at the time of draft, I think Lucas Raymond was better at the point of his draft than Zadina was at the point of his. But we were also picking fourth versus six, which matters for context. Uh, and lastly, third for Evan, what's the greatest golf moment you've ever had? Uh, mine was in my last tourney, par three on 16, approximately 160 yards, striped it with my seven iron to about eight feet and sank the birdie putt to win my handicaps division. Don't listen to Brad and Ryan. Tell us the whole story and let's go Red Wings. (laughs) Um, the only one that comes to my head is I drove a par four and I almost aced it. It was like three and a half feet from the hole. My new thing is anytime I go golfing, I text Evan after and try to convince him that I had a hole in one. (laughs) One day it's going to happen. It's going to be the most rattling day of my life. You're not ever going to come on the podcast again. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) Um, Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth, says, I think the hockey world needs to stop pussyfooting around the fact that Nick Cronwell was the best player coming out of the uh, 2000 draft class. Do you agree? That was Gabrick's year, wasn't it? And I remember, I do not remember the 2000 NHL draft very well at all. Gabrick, Heatley, uh, Justin Williams. I would put him. I don't know. Would you put it? Would you put Cronwall ahead of Gabrick? I would not, but I could understand the logic if. No, Gabrick played more games than Cronwall. I would have definitely thought the other way. No, definitely not. Gabrick's ahead. Um, Heatley, I would probably put ahead. Justin Williams might be ahead. Uh, he's there. Yeah, he's definitely there. Um, he was clutch, but like his counting stats weren't anything super spectacular. 800 points in 1,250 games is pretty good. It's good. It's really good. But then again, Cronwall is damn near a half a point per game, I think, as a defenseman. So, you know, that's got to count relative to a forward stats, right? Uh, Doesn't doesn't matter. Steve Ott was drafted that year. Yeah. It belongs. It's over. Yeah. Um, I I think I've got Cronwall as the number three in this draft. Uh, Lars says this needs to be proclaimed on billboards globally. Also, Red Wings need to go back to the Swedish well and select William Eklund in the 2021 draft. Uh, five goals, three assists in 10 games, and he is one month into his 18th year. That's massive. It's like he's fueled on wings and... Ah, never mind. I already got you to say pussyfooting and, oh, I just did it again. To infinity and beyond, let's go Red Wings. Actually, hold uh, on. So, no, um, Cronwell's the fourth best player out of that draft because I just noticed... 
that in the seventh round, the New York Rangers took Henrik Lundqvist. So he is uh, the best player out of that draft. I didn't even realize, realize Lundqvist. What a stupid conversation. <laughs> um, Safe Fresh Cheese Bags of Fournier Company says, do, 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 doobie, doobie, do, wop, bop, bow. It's time for North America's favorite game, bailout a cap strap team. Today's contestant, the Houston Coyotes. I'm sorry, did I say Houston? I meant Arizona. New Arizona GM Bill Armstrong is in a bind until the beginning of the upcoming season when he can move Hosa's contract to LTIR, but he can't fill out the rest of the roster until then. You are the GM of the Red Wings and your phone rings. Bill wants to offer you the last year of 30-year-old Derek Stepan at $6.5 this upcoming season. Do you bail him out, and for what... Or what do you counter for for a different player? Stay fresh cheese bags. I think Stepon still has a pretty good rep around the league. So if they're willing to give up a sweetener for Derek Stepon, hell yeah, absolutely. But um, his, his contract isn't terrible. That's the thing. Um, if he's... Oh, man, he had worse stats last year than I thought. But still, he's still got a good rep around the league, so I could see a team taking a flyer on him like as an asset, not as a dump. We'll take a Jacob Chikrin back. Hell yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't trade Chikrin. We'll take their th- this year's t- uh, first-round pick. Yeah, although if I'm Arizona, I hang on to those first-round picks. Like, they don't my have life it depends year, on that it. was the joke. Oh, I-, I thought you meant this upcoming season. My bad. Oh, they don't have it. In- oh, my God. Because of the... Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Well, I ruined, I both ruined your joke and exposed myself as stupid. Well, I apologize. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. <laughs> uh, Evan Pardo says, uh, hey, fellas, what's the number one thing on each of your hockey bucket lists? I think mine is to attend a full World Juniors tournament. It's got to be to see the Wings lift the cup at home. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, but it seems to be something the Wings sh- lift a cup. I, a cup I feel like that would ha- we would go to that regardless. But I, I think it would be something that we can like control, like going to a World Juniors or going to the Olympics, like something that you could actually do that is ha- like happening. So are you thinking like out of this world, Evan? Like if this happened, it's a dream. Yeah, I wouldn't say you know going to the Red Wings final. Like I, I figure that would happen if they get back to the final and are going to clinch. I. I want to say the Olympics. I would, I would love, love to go to a gold medal game. Yeah. Yeah. A team ca- like, I, like a gold medal game might be unrealistic, but if I could get to like a team Canada elimination game, like the quarters, the semis or, or, or whatever at the Olympics, that would be insane. Yeah. Anything in the elimination rounds would be incredible. Okay. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We will be back with you on Sunday. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. I'm sure between now and then a million pieces of news will come out uh, immediately after publishing this. So look forward to us catching up on all that. Uh, We want to thank all of our name level sponsors on Patreon. uh, Arjun Shanker. Who, and thank you again for that video. My sides hurt. Uh, Kyle, R.A., Brendan Lee, Zach Spring, Citizen High Five, Cody Stark, Greech, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Ryan Hanna Brand, Wings and Pizza, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kalen Wood, Hassam Al-Kassem, Charlie Elkins, Hana Lee, Josh Yelton, another former junior goalie turned uh, golfer, Trevor Pevavar, Evans Bingo Card, Michael Alsante, Ashley Van Conant, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, 
uh, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags of Fournier Company, Antonio Gracias, and John Evans, as well as Stan Olson and Quaz. Thank you all so much. I'm off to learn more golf uh, vernacular from Evan. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.